Now we're going to read verse number 16. Sunday morning we look at John 3.16. This morning, this evening, we're going to look at 1 Timothy 3.16. The Bible says this, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Father, I pray you'd help me tonight. pray you'd touch my heart and my mind. Lord, I know that on Wednesday night, Lord, Lord, many of these have been working all week, and Lord, they've been busy here and there, and Lord, I know tonight that, Lord, it's difficult sometimes to focus on the Word of God and the things of God. But I pray tonight, Lord, that the same Spirit, Lord, that I desire to fill me would fill those that are listening. And I pray that, Lord, that we'd be reminded of these great truths about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you so much that you saw fit, Lord, to send your Son for sinners just like us. And I pray tonight, Lord, if there's one in our midst that's lost and undone, I pray, Lord, you convict their heart and show them, Lord, they need to be saved tonight. Lord, what a blessing it would be on this cold Wednesday night, Lord, to be able to see a sinner be saved by the grace of God. Lord, I just ask you to help me now. Touch my voice and, Lord, help me, Lord, to preach, Lord, as a dying man to dying men and women. Lord, we never know when the last time will be that we come into this place and we get to be together. I just pray tonight you'd make it special. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. On Sunday morning we preached from John uh, chapter 3 and verse 16 on the motive of the story uh, or the motive of Christmas. And we said it was the love of God. Um, what moved God? What constrained Him? What made Him send His own Son, and it was His pure and holy and undefiled love for mankind. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And I thank the Lord for that. And I want to say this, the same thing that moved God to send His Son should be the same thing that moves us to serve the Lord. Listen tonight, anything that we do that's motivated by anything other than the love of God will be something we receive no rewards for. You know, at the judgment seat of Christ, we're not just going to be judged for what we did, but why we did it. And, and Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14, the love of, the love of Christ constraineth us. It was, it was and, and, and I've heard people say that that was Paul's love for Christ. I believe it was Christ's love for Paul that moved him to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. But tonight in verse number 16 of 1 Timothy 3, I want to preach on the melody of Christmas. Now, when we talk about Christmas, um, we, I, I, one thing that is a tradition, and, and by the way, it, it goes all the way back to when he come the first time when he came and was born, it's singing. I don't know about you, but when I was a boy, when I was young, my grandmother, uh, you know, she, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was real back then, everybody, those little, um, the Christmas village, you know what I'm talking about, where you got all the little houses in the church. I mean, she had that whole, I mean, she had them every year, somebody buy her a new one, and and, uh, and she had it all set up, and she'd have 
the little white, you know, uh, 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 cloth down that looked like snow and, and, and the lights would all be on and everything be, and she'd have Christmas music playing. And, 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 and you know, I, that's just something we all associate uh, with, this, uh, with this season, with this celebration is, is singing. Uh, and listen, singing uh, is, is, is something God has given us, uh, uh, allow us. He hasn't given us all the ability to do. Amen, Brother David. But he's given us all. Me and Brother David was trying to jockey to get into the ladies' uh, quartet earlier. They, wouldn't, they didn't seem interested. So, But anyhow, but singing is a wonderful thing. Uh, when we sing, it expresses our feelings, uh, our emotions. When we sing... Uh, as children of God, it expresses gratitude and thanksgiving and praise. And uh, in First Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen, uh, you you don't see this just on the uh, by just reading it, but if you'll study church history, you'll find. Uh, that this was a hymn uh, in the early church. They'd sing this song. Uh, this was a common uh, confession that they would sing when they got together and they, and they would uh, sing it to the Lord in the church. And, and really, when, I, when you read this song, it's a Christmas song in 1 Timothy 3.16. It deals with the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight, quickly, I'm just going to go through this verse, comment, and then we'll be along on our way. In verse number 16, it says this, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Amen. I love the way the Lord speaks. He speaks in absolutes. He doesn't say uh, this is what we think and there's other people that don't believe like we do. And, but, but the writer writes in, in absolute authority and says great is the mystery of God that is God was manifest in the flesh. That word controversy there. Uh, we know something about controversy in the days that we live. Everything's controversial it seems like today. If you choose to eat Popeyes, it's controversial. If you get dark meat over white meat, it's controversial. If you, I mean it seems like it's everything, I know I'm kind of exaggerating but it's almost that bad. I mean listen I mean you go out to eat and it's controversial. Oh you mean you went out to eat? I saw some people while we was under uh, under um, uh, dictator Bashir's lockdown. Some people put they was eating and and, and uh, they they put a picture on Facebook that's in Tennessee eating. And somebody had the nerve on there to say, "I guess the guidelines don't apply to you." And and you know whoever would have thought getting in your car and driving thirty minutes down the road and going to eat with your wife would be controversial, but it is. But there's one thing tonight that we can say, listen, Paul, the writer said there's no controversy about this. What it means is this is a common a belief. This is something we all understand and something we all know. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest flesh. The first part here, it talks about the amazement of the Lord's manifestation. Think about how amazing it was that Jesus, God, became flesh, that God was manifest in the flesh. I want you to think about your own flesh and how, how uh, feeble it is, how easily it's broken and how easily it hurts and how easily we become sick and how easily and, and uh, how uh, uh, small we really are. And to think that the God of all gods 
came down and became flesh that he manifests himself in the flesh. It's amazing to me. And listen, that's what this is about. Listen, that's what uh, this season's about. The song, uh, the melody of Christmas is about the amazement of the Lord's manifestation. The size of his coming. It says great. It means big, large. You know, if you read the, the account in the Luke chapter 2 and the gospel records, you look and, and the whole world was just going about their business as usual. They were, I mean, that's all there was. People were going to uh, be taxed and, and people were just busy here and there and they didn't understand how great it was. Uh, from, from the earth side of it, it seemed like a small event. Uh, but did you know that from heaven's view, uh, it was the biggest event in the history of mankind? From heaven's side, this was something that had been in the works for over 4,000 years. Ever since the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3 and verse 15, where God said the serpent is going to bruise your heel, uh, but you're the seed of the woman is going to crush his head. There was a messianic promise. And from that day until the birth of Christ, the heaven, all of heaven watched it all transpire. And this was the culmination of all that prophecy and, and the providence of God. How He protected that seed and how He, he kept it from destruction and, and kept it pure. And now He was manifesting in the flesh the size of His coming. The secret of His coming. It says, great is the mystery of godliness. That word mystery means kept silent. Kept silent. I, I mentioned Sunday, but for 400 years God hadn't spoke to anybody. To Matthew chapter 1. And for 400 years, people had pretty much given up on a Messiah coming. There were only a few that were actually looking for Jesus to come. And it was a mystery, people. It was a concealed thing. But aren't you glad it's not a mystery to us tonight? I'm glad it's been made known on us. I'm thankful that in the Word of God we can read of it and we can know it. Colossians 1 and verse 26 says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to His saints. Everybody is so, uh, you know, in the times that we live, people are so indulged in, in knowing all the secrets of the world. And, and I'll be honest, there's some things uh, that we'd be better off not digging in and diving into. And, and, and our world has been a worse place because of it. We would have been better off to leave it alone. But I'm glad there's one mystery that we know about that the multitudes don't know about. And that is the mystery of the Lord Jesus Christ. The scope of His coming is in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Why did God manifest in the flesh? Because He had to be a sacrifice for man's sins. Listen to this. Jesus had to come as He came in order to be what He was. He had to be what he was in order to live as he lived. He had to be what he was to live as he lived, to do what he did, and to die for our sins. God is manifest. We see a partial manifestation of God in creation. We see a partial manifestation when we see the sun rise. 
and the beams of that sun come across the eastern sky. There's a, there, the glory of God is revealed in that partially. When we watched the stars the other night, me and uh, uh, Reed, my buddy Reed was coon hunting, and we saw a green shooting star. Anybody ever seen that? I don't know what it was. I don't know. I don't believe in Area 51 and all that, but I don't know. I'm talking about it was green. It went from one side, and we both just stood there with our mouths open. He said, did you see that? And I said, I sure did. And we see the glory of God on a clear, cold winter night. I love to look up at the stars, and you can see the Little Dipper and the Milky Way and all the different constellations, and it reveals to us the glory of God. Them stars have been there for millions of years, hanging in the sky, and we can look upon them. But listen, when that little baby was born, God was fully manifest in that little child. Jesus was a, man, was a man as God always intended man to be. Fully inhabited by God. John 14, 9, Jesus saith unto him, I have, have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Listen to me, if you want to know what God is and who God is and what God looks like, the Bible says no man has seen God at any time. But those that have by faith believe, if you look at Jesus, He was God in the flesh. He was God, absolute, perfect God manifest in the flesh. You see, God in His in His invention could not die as God. He had to take upon Himself the form of a man. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus was born. He took upon Himself the form of man. He became man without ceasing to be God. He did not, He didn't lay, listen, I understand He laid down the, His glory and, and, all, and some of those things. He voluntarily limited Himself in His humanity. But you better understand this. He was God of God. He was, but He was man of man and He did it all for you and me. That's an amazing thing. That's a great mystery. This song speaks of the amazement of our Lord's manifestation. Then he goes on to say, justified in the Spirit. Capital S. P-I-R. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. We see the approval of the Lord's humiliation. The word justified used here is different than the word that's in Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith. This is a different word. This word justified means to vindicate, to be vindicated. You know, people are always trying to vindicate themselves. You get four children, you learn a lot about vindication. Georgia, why is blood running out of Macy's head? Well, she pulled my hair. Drew, why, 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 why has Ginger got a limp? Why, why? Because she tried to grab my controller. They're always trying to vent, and that's just how they are. But we're the same way, aren't we? The, the other day, Drew, <coughs> I don't know if, it, I, 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 I hate to use my kids, but I can't remember. It was something simple. I, I asked him to do something simple, I can't, and I left, and I come back, and I asked him if he'd done it. He said no, and, 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 and I said, why? And he went through this elaborate. I mean, it was... I, I commend his creativity. I mean, it was a, a, 
an elaborate vindication. He had, I mean, it was just profound how, how, how he had used his mind to come up with this vindication. At the end of the whole, whole speech he gave me, I said, son, why don't you just say I forgot and I did, I'm sorry? He said, okay, I forgot, I'm sorry. <laughs> but when the Bible says he was justifying the Spirit, it means that this same Jesus, that was God manifest in the flesh, that in the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God vindicated him. Amen. Vindicated him, amen. He was questioned from the day he was born. Men questioned him. They attacked him. They criticized him. The Pharisees called him the son, an illegitimate son. They basically called his mom a harlot and said he was an illegitimate son. But on the cross he died. And oh, listen, they thought that in killing him, they had vindicated themselves. They said he's dead. He wasn't who he said he was. But on that third and appointed day, he was justified by the Spirit. Amen. You know what I believe? I believe the Holy Ghost went to that tomb. And, 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 and I believe God. Don't you know that was a long three days and three nights in heaven? Oh, that was a long three days and three nights. But it had to be three days and three nights. So the Scripture would be fulfilled. I believe the Holy Ghost went into that dark, cold tomb and, and, and filled his body just like it had been for all 33 and a half years. And he opened his eyes and he stepped out and walked out. He said in Revelations 1 and 18, I'm he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. <laughs> amen. If he said amen, that's a good place for us to say amen. Somebody come recently said, boy, y'all sure say amen a lot around there. I said, we don't say it near enough. Amen. He said, and have the keys of hell and death. Throughout his ministry, God vindicated his son. When he was baptized, he looked over heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. At his transfiguration there before the disciples, he said, behold, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Hear what he says. Hear him. But he was never vindicated as he was in the tomb when he was raised from the dead and declared to be the Son of God, Romans 1, 4, by, according to the, with power according to the Spirit of the Holy by the resurrection from the dead. I'm saying he was justified by the Spirit. So because he lives, that means that everything he said, everything he proclaimed, everything he preached, everything he declared was true. But not only was he justified in spirit while he was on earth, but after he was gone. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came down and filled the church, 120 of them. And Peter preached on Pentecost and, and, and 3,000 were saved. And then uh, throughout that apostolic age, they performed miracles, uh, even raising some from the dead uh, and doing all types of miraculous things. How did they do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying tonight, uh, Jesus, uh, what He did on earth uh, was approved by God Himself. We don't need to try to vindicate him. He's already been vindicated by the Holy Spirit. It says justified in the Spirit seen of angels. So not only talk about the approval of the Lord, but we see the angels of the Lord's observation seen 
of the angels. Think of all the angels had seen before this day. They had seen a lot. But we know throughout his life, Brother David, the angels, they, they, they watched carefully over him. In fact, when the devil tempted him, he misquoted the scripture to him about how he gave his angels charge over him. Listen, you can believe this. Every moment of his life, there was an angel before him, behind him, and beside him. And the angels of the Lord, they observed him. They heard that first cry there in that Bethlehem manger. They heard it, and they watched him grow into a young man and later a grown man. They were there at his baptism. And all you can read about it during the temptation, what happened? The angels came and ministered unto him. Uh, in Gethsemane, in Luke 22, and verse 43, uh, when he prayed, sweat have became great drop the angels of the Lord have the angels ministered unto him at Calvary there was 12 legions of angels standing by in Matthew 28 in the, in the garden of the resurrection there were angels in Acts 1 through 9, 9 through 11 there were angels in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 16 when he comes back there's angels there's angels all around and God says here he was seen of angels Angels watched and looked as the Son of God came to earth and conquered and defeated the mystery of iniquity that began with their fallen brethren before the foundation of the world. <laughs> you see tonight, if you want to put Jesus on trial, there's ten thousands of ten thousands of ten thousands of heavenly angels that can come and say, I saw it. I've seen them, seen of angels, seen of angels. Oh, listen tonight, I thank the Lord that there are some witnesses to what Jesus had done. And did you know the same angels tonight, uh, you know, I don't know if y'all remember that show, uh, Touched by an Angel. Y'all remember that? Oh, man, we watched that. Let me say, that, that, that I, I appreciate, you know, it was clean back when there was still such things, clean TV. But, but let me just say, their, their idea of angels and what angels really are, I don't necessarily agree with it. Somebody said, do you believe in a guardian angel? I don't know. But I do know the Bible says that we have entertained angels unawares. We have. I mean, there's, I believe there's been angels coming in our midst. We didn't even realize it. That may be too spooky for you. That may not be Baptist enough for you. But I've got Bible for what I believe. I don't know what you have for what you believe. But I know this. Listen, I know the angels, they observed him. And they saw what he did on earth. And then he goes on to say, preached unto the Gentiles. This melody of Christmas speaks about the apostles of the Lord's declaration. When Jesus ascended back, the apostles, they left and they went to the upper room for, and they stayed till Pentecost, 12 days, I believe it was, uh, maybe 10. And then the Holy Ghost came in power and they went forth and preached the gospel. Amen. They preached it here and they preached it there. Uh, they preached it unto the Gentiles and to the Jews and to the Greeks and men and women got saved. They preached it. One of the very proofs of his, of what G, there, today the same story is still being preached. If it was a fabricated lie, you cannot convince me that it would not have been disproven by now. Hey Amen. Preached. The Old Testament, it says not just preached, but preached in the Gentiles. That ought to make you happy. 
The Old Testament focused on the Jews. And the early church struggled with taking the gospel to the Gentiles. But God allowed persecution to come. And it got them out of their comfort zone. And in Acts chapter 8, the descendants of Ham were reached by the Ethiopian. Acts chapter 9, a descendant of Sham was reached in Paul. In Acts chapter 10, a descendant of Japheth was reached, a Roman soldier named Cornelius. By the end of Acts, the Gentiles outnumbered the Jews. Did you know Paul went on three trips covering 15 years and 1,500 miles and Jesus was preached to the Gentiles? And aren't you glad Paul went and preached? I am. Brother David, I'm so glad he went and preached. God told him there when he got saved, he said, you're a chosen vessel to bear my name among the Gentiles. And that's exactly what the old preacher did. He preached on the Gentiles. Sometimes he preached in the prison. Sometimes he preached on Mars Hill. Sometimes he preached on a sinking ship. But he preached under the Gentiles. And because he preached under the Gentiles, somebody preached under this Gentile. Amen. And thank God now the gospel is sent out from a Gentile nation more than any other people in the world. America. The only, really, we've got some things we can hold on to as Americans with all that's going on. One of those things is there's still more missionaries being sent from this nation than any other nation in the world. Amen. More money goes to the mission field from the United States of America than all the other nations in the world put together. Did you know that? Amen. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. We see the acceptors of the Lord's liberation. Those that have believed on Him in the world. That's you and I. You see, this story is no good if you hadn't believed. If you hadn't believed. There's many that have had it preached unto them, but they've not believed on it. But listen, I'm glad it's very simple. You see, we make things complicated. We make things difficult. We make things hard. But the Bible makes it clear and makes it simple that it's for those. He says they've believed on it in the world. Believed on it in the world. We could go through history and show different people that have believed on it and it changed their life. We've got people in this room, many people, that could stand up and say, I believed on it, and it changed my life. I was eating the other day uh, at Wilma's, believe it or not, with a, a fellow that just got saved back in October. He told me, he said, Brother James, he said, I used to drink, he said, I, I used to drink a fifth of vodka a day. And he said, when I got saved, he said, I ain't had a drop since. Amen. And he said, I don't want it. I ain't thought about it. I can't. He said, he said, no withdrawals. And, and, and and he said, you, and, and he said, man, he said, I don't know what the Lord's doing. He said, these churches are calling me, want me to come give my testimony. And he said, I don't know. He said, I just get up there and just tell them what, the, and people are just amazed. It's like, he said, when they look at me, they look at me like I'm almost like a dinosaur, something strange, something wrong. He said, all I know is I heard. He said, I knew I was going to hell. He said, I didn't do nothing special. He said, I just prayed. He said, I just said, Lord, save me. And he said, I, and he changed me. He changed my life. That's what he said said men like John Wesley believed on him John Wesley came to America to be a missionary to the Indians he left and got saved on the boat going back to England (laughs) men like Evan Roberts he was a miner a Welsh miner he got saved a a rough man a miner 
And Evan Roberts began to pray for revival. And he, he, God used him to have that great Welsh revival. They said that the mules in the, in the, in the mines, they, they, they didn't, they could, the mules wouldn't obey because the mules were used to being cussed at. And all them men got saved, Brother Larry, and they stopped cussing them mules. And the mules didn't know whether to go left or right, whether to stop. They had to retrain the mules because them men were born again. He saved a murderer on the road to Damascus named Saul. Uh, we could go on and on. He saved a church kid. Amen. Uh, oh, listen, he saved a church kid one night uh, at a little church on the wrong side of Gainesville. And here I am, and it's all the cause I believed on him in the world. But then he talks about the ascension of the Lord's glorification received up into glory. Think about this, and I'm done. As he was received up in the glory, there was, there was some tokens to his past ministry. Do you know the last thing they saw? They saw his feet as he went up. The last thing they saw was a token to his suffering on the earth. Those nail prints in his feet and his hands. And they're there today, by the way. They're still there. And oh, listen. Oh, I don't know about you, but I can't wait to look upon him with my eye. And say thank you for doing that for me. I, I, I just want to take a time. I mean, listen, I, I don't know how it's all going to work out. I know we'll have glorified bodies. I know, I know there's some people, they, they go crazy trying to figure all this out. I'm not really trying to figure it out. I just got faith. I believe it. I just think, Brother David, at some point in time, we're all going to have a chance to personally look him in the eye and say thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for making your grace available to me. Uh, listen, there's evidence of his past ministry but as he went up he entered into his present ministry what is his present ministry he's our high priest now think about this have you ever thought this and I have and I probably most of us have I just wish Jesus was here now wouldn't you like for him to just go to the white house on January the whatever it is I mean have you ever thought, man, if Jesus was here, it just, have you ever been in a situation in your own life where you just said, man, I wish the Lord was here? I, I understand He's with us, but I'm talking about in the flesh. Now think about this. <coughs> I did the math, so these numbers could be wrong. But according to most, there's over 7 billion people on the earth. If Jesus stayed on earth, and he gave every person on earth 15 minutes today, it would take 119,863 years for him to speak for 15 minutes with every person on earth. We've got something better than that. We've got a high priest and you can talk to him. What I'm saying is you can talk to him and I can talk to him and they can talk to him. Somebody can be praying as the sun comes up in one nation and somebody can be praying as the sun goes down in another nation and we can all go to the throne of grace and we all, it's not 15 minutes, but we can spend day and night unending time because he's in that present ministry. We've got the better deal. But there's a promised monarchy. We know he was received up in the glory and he, and he sat down on the right hand of the throne. But that's not the final throne 
that he's going to sit on. It's not the last throne. Luke one thirty two says, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. That's one gift that Jesus hadn't received yet. But it's coming. God always comes through on his end of the deal. Revelations 2, 27, He shall rule with them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall he break. They break, be broken to shivers even as I received of my Father. Zechariah 14, 4, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives which is before Jerusalem. On the east the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west and there shall be a very great valley. Half of the mount shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. Has that happened yet? I don't think, I think we would have, I think somebody would have noticed that. I don't believe it's happened yet. What I'm trying to say is, he was received up in the glory, but when he went up, what did he say? Acts 1 9, it says, When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by him in white apparel. There's those angels. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And listen tonight, I believe that with all my heart. He is coming again. I can remember when I was a young man, I used to think, man, I want to get, I, you know, I, I want the Lord to come, but, you know, I, I'd like to get married and have kids, you know. Maybe He'll let me wait. But I listen, I, I've gotten to the point now where I'm wanting to come right now. Listen to me, this world is writhing and, and shaking and, and tossed to and fro. And listen, we see the evidence of the evil one everywhere we look. But I'm glad when Jesus comes, He is going to cast that sorry devil out for the last time. Thank the Lord for that. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. And the remembrance, the former things the Bible says will be passed away. Brother Dad, I don't believe when we come down to this earth, that millennial kingdom, there's going to be, I don't think there's going to be nothing we're going to remember about our past. I believe we'll wash it all away. Every bad memory, everything that we did is going to be gone. It's going to be clean, washed clean. And listen, I'm saying tonight, this melody of Christmas, uh, listen, there's another chapter to the Christmas story. And that chapter is about His return to this earth. The earth does not belong to me and you. And it sure don't belong to its mother, so-called Mother Earth. That's about the silly thing you've ever heard. Somebody said that the other day. I can't remember. And they, claimed, and they said, Mother Earth. I thought, have you ever in your life? This earth belongs to the Lord. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. I believe that's Psalms 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's. And right now this earth is groaning. And, and groaning for redemption. And thank God one day... The Lord's going to come back to claim not only His people, but He's going to come back to claim this earth. And I thank the Lord for it.